0: President Joe Biden returns to the Palmetto State to address graduates at South Carolina State University amidst a trying year in office. Plus, Governor Gavin Newsom in California is using Texas's playbook. And what news silo are you in? All of that on a packed Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Welcome in. I'm Justin Hall, joined by Mitch Prosser and Dave Wilson. It is a historic day in South Carolina. Anytime a president comes to your state, it's a historic day. President Biden is in town today, actually down in Orangeburg to deliver the commencement address at South Carolina State University. And as we discussed on last Friday's podcast, it's a strategic visit here to the Palmetto State within his first year. The state propelled him to victory in the Democratic primary. He had been shellacked in the first two, and the turning point was South Carolina behind the endorsement of his friend, Majority Whip. Jim Clyburn, who invited him to South Carolina State today. Which is the
1: exact reason why he is there today, because he is at South Carolina State University down in Orangeburg. He is there speaking at the commencement, where actually Jim Clyburn was originally scheduled to be the speaker. But he's also receiving his diploma, which he did not receive
0: 60 years ago. 60 years ago, because there were restrictions on the number of graduations that HBCUs could have at that point. So that's why he did not receive it.
1: And so in that particular vein, this is a moment of history, and it is a moment where two friends are coming together because Joe Biden can definitively say, I owe my presidency to Jim Clyburn because as we always talk about in South Carolina politics, you can lose in Iowa, you can lose in New Hampshire, but you can't lose in South Carolina and keep going. And, And this was the moment at which Jim Clyburn endorsed Joe Biden's presidency and it turned the tide for the rest of the entire campaign. And that's how Joe Biden ended up with the nomination. And we've seen that historically, that happens in
0: South Carolina. But it's beyond that. This is a goodwill visit. This is a high point for him. His chance to speak to a graduating class at an HBCU and maybe try to highlight some of the good that's happened. We're, we're closing in on 2022, we're about two weeks away from it. And we've had a year of the Biden presidency. A goodwill visit was necessary because in the year we've had close to it here's what has happened just a few things we have an Afghanistan withdrawal that did not work out very well a promise to end the pandemic which we all knew was a bit high brow and probably not going to happen considering diseases kind of just stay around instead we're seeing a rise in cases new variants and now more mandates and restrictions being put on citizens across the country there's still a crisis on the southern border that's still happening Inflation is ballooning. It is the highest percentage of inflation we've seen. And you can look past the CBOs. You can look to the shelves and see that. And of course, gas prices are soaring from this point a year ago. Of course, it wasn't in high demand in COVID, but they're soaring.
1: But did he not say on an interview with the local television station just this week that he's releasing 15 million gallons from the Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve? Uh, He did, but the prices have not gone down. As a matter of fact, the prices have gone up, and he is applauding gas that's now falling below $3 a gallon. That is not something to be applauding, especially when you take a look at the price of gas before he comes into office right when we were actually generating our own supply of oil from the work that we were already doing and and that approach to what's being done when it comes to our own energy independence has had a huge impact because think about this every gallon of gas that you buy the truckers have to buy gallons of gas which is to deliver your product to the shelf. Well, when that product that you buy from the store has had to go through trucks and it has to go through to transport and everything else, eventually the cost that the truckers are now having to pay for additional cost and gas is going to translate itself down. And you're seeing inflationary factors come into play. And that is just one small part of of what's going on.
0: The Fed chair, uh, Jerome Powell has been using quite a bit the term transitory that inflation this inflation period. He's used it and others in the administration said this inflation is just transitory. It's not it's not going to last. We, we have to dial back and remember at the beginning of Joe Biden's presidency, the United States was coming out of the pandemic. You remember government is what shut the economy down. We shut everything down. We bring it back. There's going to be a natural upswing in spending, a natural upswing in people going back to work. The economy will begin to heat up again. Well, then you pump trillions of dollars into that economy. Then you overheat it. That causes inflation. Not only that, we're paying people to stay home. Now you've created a stagnant workforce. So now you combine the two and you have stagflation. And we're in a serious situation here where now the Fed chair has stopped using that as transitory and said, well, we just can't allow this inflation to settle in. And so the president, Mitch, is in a a very tough spot. And here's why. We're heading into 2022. 2022 is an election year where we will see midterm elections that Republicans are thinking could swing both the House and the Senate back into their favor. At this point, the build back better agenda they're already waving the white flag on it passing this year they the president's staff has they've already said yeah probably not going to pass before 2022 it's going to stay on the docket for 2022 so your your key legislation cannot be passed so Mitch what what is a visit like this do for the president in terms of optics, because at this point, that's purely what it is. That's exactly what it is, Justin. As I think through this, and
2: Dave, back to your point about him releasing 15 million barrels of oil. We've been talking a little bit about this in the office. I pulled up the EIA's website, and uh, it's fascinating. Any guess how many barrels of oil we use per year? Per year? Per year. He released 15 million. That's going to make a drop in the barrel we use 6.6 billion barrels of oil per year, nearly 100 million per day. So 15 million is a drop in the barrel. It's not, and that's a lot of what you're seeing from the president right now. And, and dare I say the president, the executive office, from the staff, you're seeing optics that may appease one group of people, or this group of people, or that group of people. But if you've been to the grocery store lately to buy a gallon of milk or a slice of bread, or you fill up your car to get there, you're noticing the optics are wearing off. The the shine on what's new is rapidly wearing right. off. And I'll, I'll tell you this, a goodwill visit to South Carolina as I joked last time on our last podcast and said, just simply means that uh, the roads are closed, as you experienced on the way in this morning, Justin. Damn. I think what really matters here is that come election time, people don't forget about things like milk Damn. and gas. and And dare I say, the 13 men and women we lost in Afghanistan through that botched, evacuation plan that I don't know that it was botched as much as it was planned that way. Um, and we could go into that and I don't want to sound conspiratorial there, but you know, over and over again, the president and the executive office have shown us their ineptitude when it comes to several of the rubber meets the road, very practical things and optics matter but only when they're very practical. So uh, that, that's my two cents on that.
0: His, his approval ratings are low. They're the lowest after the first year of every other president, maybe other than Donald, Donald Trump. And here's the situation. As Christian conservatives, and as a Christian conservative, I can, I can say that I want what's best for the country. Regardless of the president who's in power, regardless of the party with which he is affiliated with, if he's doing things the right way then, and the country's doing well, I'll be happy. I'm perfectly content with that. Sure. But there are there there are a list of things that have not gone well, and I don't know if they'll I don't know if they'll recover from the Afghanistan withdrawal. We talked about that inside the office, we talked about that on the podcast. Hard to believe they come back from that and simply put Mitch you you mentioned folks when they go fill up their tank or when they uh, go to the grocery store, it's the simple line. It's the economy, stupid. People vote on the economy. If if they're seeing less money in their pocket, and they're spending more money for the goods they need, they're going to vote you out. If I can go to
2: social issues for just a second, I mean, it was just yesterday, Thursday, that we learned that the FDA is now going to make their approval for mail-in abortion pills to become permanent. Now, during the pandemic, they made that uh exception so that abortion pills could be mailed through the mail. So if a woman needs an abortion pill, she can get it prescribed by a doctor and then it can be mailed. The FDA approved that policy in perpetuity just yesterday. And if you haven't noticed, the FDA is under the executive branch of government and it does what the president says, social issues, moral issues, the economy is a moral issue, also. Yeah, these kinds of things, what we're seeing right now, are further proof that optics only matter as long as it meets the bare the the brass tacks. Optics only matter when they meet the rubber on the road. That's it. we're seeing massive, massive problems.
0: And as we pivot to our next point, I, I want to read this from The Atlantic. Derek Thompson of The Atlantic, because of all these issues that are going on, the media, by the way, the president's staff met with members of the media to maybe help out the optics, Mitch, a bit, which happens. It, it, it's normal for the executive branch and the administration to, to want the media to cover them in a, in a favorable light. But this is from The Atlantic talking about how the Biden-Harris administration is viewed and how it should be viewed. And this is a quote. Biden inherited an economy he didn't build. Sundered by a pandemic, he didn't start. He oversaw the distribution of a vaccine he didn't develop, and his inoculation campaign ran headfirst into vaccine resistance he couldn't control. He was slammed with a viral mutation he didn't ask for, then got punished by an international supply chain mess, which slammed into domestic logistics problems overseen by private sector transportation companies he can't command, compounded by trucker shortages and port inefficiencies he couldn't go back in time to fix. And then there's gas. Strong evidence shows that voters reserve Serve special hatred for rising gasoline prices, but this is another phenomenon that is largely out of Biden's control. The economy has snapped back to normal, and so have gasoline prices, which, for all the panic inducement you'll see on TV, are still lower than they were for much of the 2010s, and only 50 cent per gallon more than they were in 2019. Biden is being blamed largely for rising prices in a quickly expanding economy, a predictable outcome of catch-up growth, over which, again, he has, at best, limited Control. So as we move into this this idea of what news silo you're in, and then we'll come back to what Governor Newsom is doing in California. Um, I read that piece today, guys, and I thought, wow, how many buzzwords can I fit in? Sundered, uh, ran head first, slammed, punished, slammed again. This reeks of excuses. It reeks of excuses. Yes, yes, uh, he did inherit an economy he didn't build. Yes, it was sundered by a pandemic. It was actually sundered by individual state governments choosing to shut down their states. And then he jumped in front of the parade with a vaccine that had already been distributed or had already been developed and distributed, vaccinating about a million people a day by the time he took his oath of office. So we're we're making all these excuses, and, and the media is doing a good job of it. So this is where it's important to know where are you getting your news? Are you have you siloed yourself? Because it's very easy to silo yourself into the echo chamber of which you agree the most. It's important to read pieces with which you might disagree. Because you have to understand how the news is being presented to everybody. Because different outlets present the news in different ways. If you watch, and again, I'm not promoting or or not promoting either one of these. But if you watch Fox News and you watch MSNBC, they will present the same story from two different angles with two different proposed outcomes. And possibly, might I add, they will not cover the same news. One will focus on one and never touch the news that the other uses.
1: Which is really interesting in comparison. I, I, as the recovering journalist, I was did something the other night I rarely ever do, and that was to flip through the national newscasts. Now, keep in mind, back in the 80s and 90s when I was in television news, you had Tom Brokaw, Dan Rather, Peter Jennings. And we had three major newscasts. And so you learn from those. But it was really interesting though, because on the national newscast, not cable news, on the national newscast, it was all the same set of stories, all about COVID, Omicron, COVID, this, the whether or not and, and but the language with which they are using it, the the intensity with which it's being presented is one of those that's like we've got to create a crisis mm-hmm. where the crisis has got to be answered and then you know you you flip it over and then it's the guy from sex in the city who's turning around and and has some other set of accusations that are being thrown against him and they're all posting up the same stories in their evening newscasts and you sit here and you go okay so what am I supposed to take from this today? Then you go on and you start flipping through your cable news channels and you can see one story, as Justin said a moment ago, you can see one story presented one way, one story presented another. You're listening to a podcast right now. You're getting your information on these things from us. We spend our time reviewing, understanding what's going on, trying to put this into a biblical context to help you to understand how what's going on on a national front or on a local front is impacting what we're doing here in South Carolina. There are so many different places where you can get information today, knowing which resources you can trust. And we appreciate the trust you give us as a trusted resource, as a podcast that you listen to on a regular basis. And we appreciate that. We'll take that five-star rating as Justin will (laughs) remind you, um, because we want other people to know that this is out there. Why? Because you need to know what the issues are, why they matter, get a biblical view of them, but also understanding what you can do about it. I mean, if you listen to the nightly news last night, Omicron is coming and we're expecting thousands, if not millions of people to die by the time we get into January. And you're going, really?
2: Mm.
1: And 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 it's this almost, don't get together over Christmas too much. Mm-hmm. Don't do too much. And, and you begin to just ask yourself the question. Again, I don't like wearing tinfoil. Right. But you ask yourself the question, who's wagging the dog here
2: and that's a great question to ask uh because i don't necessarily know who is i think a lot of the mainstream media and i think we can thank rush limbaugh for that um phrase the drive-by or mainstream media it's it really is virtuous virtue signaling at its finest um a lot of the quote-unquote news that they report and distribute um is really just virtue signaling. The whole Omicron or COVID or whatever the next variant will be and all of the attachments that go along with that, you know, the things that you see dancing around that, that they report on, a lot of it is just you should do this because it's the quote-unquote right, common, good thing to do. And I think if we're not careful, if we don't have a steady diet of multiple sources of news or media or understanding, we can fall into this trap, as we've already used that term silo, and ultimately what happens is the more we get siloed, the more we go down that hole. And what happens is, as we are continually segmented and continually separated, the more divided we become. And, and if I can just break this down a little bit more, uh, maybe simple for some and complex for others, the thing that we really have to avoid here is what's known as confirmation bias. And what happens is you have a worldview, we we believe in a biblical worldview, you have a lens with which or through which you view the world. As you look at the world and that worldview is influenced by the things that you put before you, as the Bible talks about what you put before you or what you put inside of you uh, is what will come out. So as you look at the world through that worldview, your confirmation bias can start to contort or distort or blur the things that are before you so that when you see something, I know that immediately, and it only checks the boxes of what you already know. I'm not saying that you go into this with some Zen-like approach of openness. No, we most definitely need to be sincere and we most definitely need to be uh, discerning in what we see. But at the very same time, I think we have to be understanding in what we see and to look at the world from multiple points of view so that we're not continually siloing ourselves and ultimately succumbing to the division that I believe it's not by accident. If we can't unite on things, then we'll certainly be divided. And the more divided we are, the easier it is to
0: overcome us. In multiple ways. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Exactly. I read that this morning. And so just I would encourage you, and people say it all the time, you know, I refuse to watch and fill in the blank or I refuse to listen to blanks podcast. It, you don't have to agree with everything the person says. But it's, I encourage you just to survey, do just a quick survey of what's being said in the sphere because it's important to understand what other people are, in, are ingesting because you might not be able to have that discussion with the person because you're viewing the same issue or the same problem from two different lenses. Let me just
2: say this too, and, and this goes in with it because a lot of people have their favorite newscaster or their favorite blogger or their favorite podcaster. And I think Justin... Mitch and Dave are pretty good, Uh, but the other thing you have to remember here is that not everything you're hearing is exactly as it seems. Much of what you hear on a podcast, much of what you hear on the news or the radio, talk radio, is selling ads, and sometimes the most salacious tidbits that they can offer are what will sell the most ads, and so we have Shock jocks on the radio. We have hyperbole. We have all these different things. Ultimately, in many cases, it's to sell ads. So, before we go and start pitting, and I won't name any names, but before we go pitting this newscaster or this broadcaster or this station or that podcast versus another or a myriad of other resources, just keep that in mind that many times and in many cases, that person, that man, that woman that you're listening to, they're they're in this and and I'm not saying they're in it totally for the money but they're being paid to offer up ads
0: so keep that in mind as you keep moving forward as we pivot to our final topic here on a Friday Texas back in September signed a heartbeat law that had a new civil penalty To it. And we talked about that law when it was passed back in September. And in the podcast that followed, we talked about it a little bit more. And we mentioned the idea that the tactic used in that legislation could then be used against others. And we mentioned that with the Attorney General here in our studio. So, Dave, what's happening right now with Governor Gavin Newsom out in California? Well, what's not happening with Governor Gavin Newsom? Gavin Newsom in California
1: has decided to take the same model that is the the civil approach to this, and do it for guns in California. We told you so. If it's going to be used for abortion in his mindset, you might as well use it for a quote-unquote right-wing issue. And so they're going after guns in California using this same type of model. Now, to understand the model is to understand this. Typical abortion laws make it a criminal offense to abort a child. What Texas did was, in essence, deputize every person in the state of Texas to be able to civilly sue, not go through criminal court, but through civil court, up to $10,000 to every person who was involved in an abortion in Texas. So if a woman goes in for an abortion at a doctor's office, Someone could civilly sue the doctor, could sue the nurse, could sue the receptionist, could sue the Uber driver who'd brought the person to the appointment. All of those things have had a huge impact on reducing the number of abortions in the state of Texas thus far. But it's a a conditional peer pressure that's being used to do so, not the law itself. And we said, if it could be done with this issue they're going to turn around and find a way to do it on the other on the other side as well and they're doing it right now in California when it comes to guns
0: this is from a release newsom said his staff will be working with the legislature and California attorney general rob bonta the nice name to craft the bill to let citizens sue anyone who quote manufactures distributes or sells an assault weapon or ghost gun kit or parts in California. They could seek damages of at least $10,000 per violation plus cost and attorney fees. Here's here's the issue with this. this once it's passed, it's going to be enjoined by the court because it's a direct violation of your Second Amendment. So what's the goal in this? It's not to get this legislation passed and to keep it. I would argue that it's a little bit of a snub of the nose at the Supreme Court for not doing what his side of the aisle wanted in in the Texas case and certainly hearing the Dobbs case and not just throwing it out completely. This is an effort. Let's go this way while on the other side of this, we're also pushing, the White House has said it, ways to codify Mm Roe into law. So, again, Dave, you mention this all the time over here the right hand's over here but the left hand's back over here doing something else right this is this is not being used although i think people like beto and and gavin newsom would like to see these bills become law and codified in their state and ultimately in the country they would like that but it's not going to happen because the constitution is still being used and is still the law of the land and and will impede this this is an effort to highlight what they believe is it is a miscarriage of justice in the Texas bill, and then get people's attention back to their efforts on that side of the legislation.
1: Here's the interesting part about what's going on with California if Gavin Newsom tries to get this done and, and and they can pass it. The right to keep and bear arms is enumerated in the Constitution. The right to have an abortion is not enumerated in the constitution. That was the whole essence of what the Dobbs oral arguments were in Washington at the Supreme court, December 1st, the case that could possibly bring us to life after Roe started addressing the fact that abortion is not an enumerated right in the United States constitution. And when Gavin Newsom decides that he's going to start going after some, uh, some level of, arms control, then that's going to turn around and have a direct impact, a direct violation of the Second Amendment of the Constitution.
2: What you just heard Dave Wilson say is to keep your eye on the ball. So often, the message is hijacked by those who purposefully do it to intentionally distort what you know and incrementally change the foundation and fabric of our nation. And they'll do it in any way possible. We're seeing that all over the place. They continually hijack the messaging and reframe what we care
1: about. Which is why when we start talking about where do you get your information from, there it is. This is one of the reasons why. Because if you don't, if you aren't able to to discern Let's use the biblical term here, it discernment. Is. If you don't have the Holy Spirit giving you the discernment to be able to recognize truth from lies, actual issues versus a distorted view of those, then you're going to end up making decisions that could be going in the wrong direction. There's a guy who I talked with years ago, and he gave a great example of something called assumption theory. Mm-hmm. Assumption theory says this. You see a situation, you make an assumption. If your assumption is right, your decision that you make thereafter could be a right decision. But if your assumption is wrong, everything that you are building off of that is wrong. It's all built on a wrong assumption, which could take you down a completely
0: wrong path. My gracious, have we seen that at all in the recent news stories that have been going on? That is incredible. The theory and putting it into practice, you see that playing out. We've seen that play out for several years now in some of the things that have been bantered about on, on cable news. Oh,
2: yeah. So in all this, where is your house built? What are you building the foundation of your house on? Is it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and ultimately his capital T, truth? Or are you basing the foundation, building the foundation of your home and everything that you know on the shifting and sinking sand of this world?
1: The culture today is, is definitely... Swaying back and forth. I mean, we joke about it sometimes. You know, we'll pass. There, there's a whole new set of flags that are out there for all the mm-hmm. different gender options that are there. And you know, we've we've said before it was two genders, then it was four, and then it was 72. Then one day we we were literally in the middle of a podcast and a 73rd one but was wait, coming. There's up. more, right? Yeah. But that that level of instability is constantly there. It is becoming more and more evident as you begin to look at it and go, here's the situation. We don't, if somebody comes to you and says, I don't know what the truth is. This is my truth. That's your truth. Then guess what? We call that biblically shifting sands. Mm -hmm. It shifts with whatever direction the, the cultural wind might be blowing today. And if you're not anchored in Jesus Christ, then you're, you're never going to have any level of true stability.
0: Pontius Pilate said it best, and it's a question that has raged on through the centuries. What is truth? And I think that's something we need to think about as we move into this Christmas season. We'll have one more podcast for you on Tuesday. Be looking out for that. That is we- a great
1: conversation, by the way. We had a chance to record that earlier this week. If you have not checked out the Recidivism series on the Palmetto Family Council app or on the app that you can download on your Roku, Apple TV, or Amazon TV. Download that today. Watch the series. It is a five-part documentary series that we have had the privilege of being a part of and, and telling the story of how the gospel changes everything. When you take a look at the lives that are impacted and the impact that it has on those who have been incarcerated in South Carolina and how the gospel being carried into our prisons in South Carolina has had a huge impact on keeping people out of prison in South Carolina.
0: And so the gospel has played a major role in keeping folks out of prison who have been in it and changing lives for folks who are incarcerated. And it's a wonderful conversation we have with Scott and Daniel, who helped put that documentary together. We have a great conversation with them. Be sure to listen to that. As always, subscribe to the podcast. You can do that. On your Apple or Android device, you can also download the Palmetto Family Council app on those devices or, as Dave mentioned, on your Roku, Apple TV, or Amazon TV to watch the Recidivism series. Parts 1 through 3 are on there now. Parts 4 and 5 will be on there when that podcast drops on Tuesday. As we move into Christmas... I just want to leave you with this thought as we look in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it says, unto us a child is born. Important to remember that, that Mm -hmm. Jesus is both fully God, fully man. Very important to remember that. Mm -hmm. But the second part is so important with all that we've talked about today and all that we talk about on Tuesday, unto us a son is born is given. given. It's not just that a baby was born. It's not just that a baby was born and placed in a manger. It's not just that some shepherds came and then the wise men came a couple years later and gave him gifts. It's important to know that that baby that was born in Bethlehem oh so many millennia ago has the power to change your life and gives truth and stability. And as Mitch said, that solid foundation on which you can build your life is And he provides the only way in which you can adequately and appropriately view the world around you. Because when you have him, you view it through an agape love that is supersedes anything that is mentioned in the shifting sands of our world today. So if you don't listen to our podcast on Tuesday, I encourage you to. But if you don't, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and we will talk to you again very soon.